person to move into the starting lineup because I don't think you're starting Foster Lawyer at the two spot there. Um, it just would doesn't make sense. Um, so you would start Brown, and it's kind of something that I think a lot of Spartan fans and then also a lot of people have just wanted to see is this smaller lineup with a team that's right now struggling to shoot the basketball. You bring in a shooter, you bring in a uh, small ball four, quote-unquote, to play that position, and you'd probably end up with, I don't know if this is necessarily where they would end up being, but with Winston, Aaron Henry, Arns, I would say we get in there, Brown, and Tillman would move around there, and you could probably move them wherever you would like to move them. Um, but I think that would be a, a small ball team that you will roll with out there, which will be interesting to see because uh, kind of a bit an issue for Michigan State as seen in Duke with Vernon Carey is the height and the ability to defend down low is going to be an issue. So an interesting starting lineup for Michigan State coming on Sunday against Rutgers with, again, no uh, Rocket Watts starting or playing on Sunday against Rutgers. Uh, so we'll move on to the Maui Invitational. Did not get a chance to talk about that, but the Spartans did get a chance to travel to Paradise. We did not get to go. What's up with that impact? Yeah, I don't know. Not sure. Wasn't in the budget, I guess. That would have been awesome, though. Can you imagine? That would have been so cool. We were in Maui. Hanging out on the beach every day, watching some basketball. It would have been great. I would have seen Bill Walton. It would have been flawless. What a guy. <laughs> flawless. What a guy. Flawless. Uh, but the Spartans were in paradise, and it was actually anything but for them. Played three games uh, over there in Hawaii. Started first with a quarterfinal matchup against Virginia Tech, uh, getting upset 71-66. to then they jump into the loser's bracket. Everybody throughout Maui wanted uh, the matchup of Michigan State. Head coach Tom Izzo going up against Tom Crean, who was on staff beforehand, also from uh, Indiana. And Crean and his Georgia Bulldogs ended up meeting up in the, the loser's bracket of the tournament. Not exactly what you would like to see. Uh, Spartans were able to pull off a win there, though, 93-85, to bounce back. And then to take home third place in the Invitational, Michigan State in a... Kind of a game that ended up being a little bit rough, uh, a little bit edgy. It was a game against UCLA, 75-62, to the final score in that one. So they come away with third place. Not ideal for this Michigan State team that has come in uh, to the season with lofty expectations. Uh, probably a lot of people felt that they were going to go ahead and win this Maui Invitational, end up falling. Don't even get to see the likes of Kansas, a Dayton team, which now looks really good, um, and have to play Virginia Tech, Georgia, and UCLA. Kind of summarizing Maui because it is a little ways away now. Uh, I want to get your guys' thoughts on what you took away from the Invitational and how you're going to look at these three games heading into the rest of the season for Michigan State. Well, after that Virginia Tech loss, I think everyone was pretty upset. Uh, players, coaches, fans, everyone was pretty upset with the Spartans showing early in the season because you, th that already was your second loss right out of the gate. And um, so after that, you know, against Georgia and against UCLA, Cassius Winston kind of returned to his brilliant self after not having that great of a game against uh, – or an uncharacteristic game against against VT. But um, all in all, I, I think what it is is the Spartans really use the Maui Invitational to iron out the wrinkles and just kind of get some things figured out because now we're seeing the the, uh, the rotation start to take a little bit more solid shape. Um, and, of course, that's something that could fluctuate because we see, you know, today Rocket Watts not going to be available against Rutgers, so it's next man up already. But it's just nice for time as it will get a little bit more clarity, and I think that's what the Maui Invitational served for the Spartans overall. Right, and those games definitely, I think, taught Tom and the team a lot. I mean, that first game against Virginia Tech wasn't the outcome that any of us wanted, but, I mean, that was only a few weeks after Cassius, his brother, had passed away. I know that he was still really struggling at that time. His whole family was there with him, but I know um, we definitely didn't see the Cassius that we all um, know he can be, so I know he struggled there. Um, he never really found his flow in that entire game, and I know he struggled with fouls in the first half. 
Um, he only made two of eight shots and finished with seven points, two assists, and three turnovers in that first game. So it just was very unlike him. And I think him struggling kind of disrupted the rhythm of the Spartans as a whole. I think he kind of leads the team in that sense. Like if Cassius is doing well, I think the other players look at him and I don't know, are just motivated by him, I guess, because he is the outstanding nationally recognized player on our team. So if he's doing well, I think everyone else just feels fired up. Um, and I know in that Georgia game as well, I remember reading an article that he was in the locker room by himself at one point and there was like a puddle of tears below him and it, Rocket went up to Izzo and was like, hey, you need to go check in on Cassius. He's in the locker room, like really upset or whatever. But then he ended up, um, what did he do that game? Um, he scored 28 points. So I feel like he just really redeemed himself after that tough loss against Virginia Tech. Um, but I'm, I guess I'm harping on the Cassius thing because I just feel like he really, he, I mean, he's gone through so much. The team's gone through so much, like, through him. So I think that kind of affected them throughout the tournament. I think that was kind of a big thing that, like, I took away from it. Um, and then again against UCLA, Cassius kind of was back into it with 20 points, four assists, and Izzo was still playing with rotations and whatnot. But I don't know, I guess my big thing was, like, Cassius was kind of struggling still. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a that's a really great point to make, and I do want to keep that and touch on it more when we get to Duke, and then we have a Twitter question kind of alluding um, to this, but as you kind of see with, with Izzo taking a lot of these losses personally and saying a lot of them are on him and are his fault, I think part of that stems, and I think, you know, Solari put it better than I could in his story, um, but essentially that it's very hard to coach. It's probably hard to coach this team. I mean, they're going not only physically sh- – drained from the flight from New York to Maui to back to, you know back and forth all that travel but then mentally and emotionally dealing with everything that's still it's not like we're that far removed and I one I don't know if you ever get that far removed um, from what has happened to this team and this program and so it is something to, to, to think about going forward I mean at some point it, everything's not going to be quote-unquote okay because nothing's the same anymore but how do you coach as Tom Izzo this team and get these players riled up and ready to go for game in and game out when there's just so much to deal with um my couple of points uh looking at the basketball I think turnovers were one of the biggest issues for Michigan State in this invitational um and once again they kind of rear their ugly head and they will again coming up in Duke when we get to that game but turnovers are an issue this team seems to look like and a lot of them are live ball whether it's lazy passes or just poor chemistry, not knowing where guys are going to be at, guys not being in that right <clears throat> in that right spot, excuse me, it's just a lot of live ball turnovers that are leading to points. And those things can happen, especially with a team that is led by a veteran point guard in Cassius Winston. Uh, aside from that, one thing that I, I'm st- I want to ask you, because I'm, I'm weighing myself whether this is a, a real issue or something that it's just these guys are super talented, but something that I took out of this one was that each of the star players in these games, and even you can look back to Seton Hall as well with Miles Powell, but they all got theirs. And I think for a team that prides himself on being a defensive uh, defensive stopper, and especially last year with a guy like Matt McQuaid who could stop everyone on defense, Landers Nolly going off for 22 points, and then Anthony Edwards for the talent that he is going off for 37, and most of that was in the second half. To me, it raises a lot of questions as to what this team is going to be down the line when they have to play guys like this who are uber-talented that, I don't know if they're going to be able to stop. Well, the thing is, is we we constantly harp on this because it matters. Joshua Langford is not there anymore, and that is something that Tom Izzo even mentioned today. He was like, you know, losing Joshua Langford, I lost my best defender, my best on-ball defender. So 
we've been talking about this, and all three of us talked about this leaving the Duke game, you know, saying who you keep saying who's going to be the second guy to step up or who's going to be the guy to defend the best player on the other team and really be, bring that consistency. But, you know, you keep saying it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. When is it going to happen? We're now, what, eight games into the season here for the Spartans and haven't really seen that materialize yet. And I think this upcoming game against Rutgers is going to be a chance for guys like Gabe Brown, Kyle Ahrens to get in there and really lock up because, like you said, Julian Nolly and and Miles Powell and those guys are just completely torching uh, the Spartans. And Vernon Carey, obviously, a bit of a different situation there because he's a different he plays a different position. But it, it's just it's it's not good enough. You can't let players just torch you for that and expect to win a national title or expect to even compete for a national title. Right, and there has to be players like Xavier Tillman, who I know people have had a problem with. Like He hasn't really been showing his potential that he has. Um, same with Aaron Henry, who didn't do a, like a single thing in the Duke game. He what had two points or something like that. So, I don't know. I think just guys can't be playing soft, I guess, is the word I would use. I mean, every single game, no matter the opponent, you're going to have to put your all into it. Cassius can't lead the whole team. Aaron has to step up and help him. Xavier has to be the big man that's going to help defend and um, rebound. And I just think, I don't know, these guys like Edwards, who has 37 points, and when Miles Powell went off too, I forget the number of points. But, yeah, I mean, it. you just can't let guys like that do that. I mean, they're very talented, but I think our guys need to remember – Regardless of the opponent, they have to play smart and um, rebound and get back on defense because I think that's been a huge issue for us. Yeah, and I think you're exactly right. Now, you one, you look at a guy in Aaron Henry who was supposed to be one of the better on-ball defenders, and the, the thing is you do have to kind of ask him to be this dual player defensively and offensively. So you wonder whether you tell him, you give him the guy who's the best player and then maybe hamper him a bit on the offensive end, or do you keep asking Rocket Watts? To be to develop quickly into what he needs to be and be a better on-ball defender. It's going to be an interesting question that Tom Izzo is going to have to figure out uh, going forward as we move on through the season. And so we'll move on from Maui because we've already hit on a couple of points from the Duke game, but obviously the biggest game of the week in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, Duke uh, taking on Michigan State or Michigan State bringing Duke uh, to East Lansing, a rematch of the Elite Eight matchup from a season ago that Michigan State ended up winning. Moving on to a Final Four, where we all know the rest of the story, losing to Texas Tech from there, uh, but sent Duke home in the Elite Eight with a three-point shot by Kenny Goins. Uh, Two very different teams now uh, for Michigan State and Duke. Duke without Zion Williamson, R.J. Baird, and Cam Reddish, and Michigan State without Goins and McQuaid, who have turned out uh, to be bigger losses than a lot of people uh, may have thought coming into the season, but final score as Duke trounces Michigan State at home, 87-75. to Some quick stats in that one. Xavier Tillman uh, leads the way with 20 points for Michigan State, 8 rebounds, 9 of 14 from the field in 29 minutes. Uh, Bingham with 13 points on the night, uh, only played 12 minutes, though, in the matchup. Very interesting tidbit from him. 12 minutes, 13 points. Winston finishes on a very bad shooting night for him. 12 points on 4 of 14 shooting. And then for Duke, Vernon Carey, a guy who was a Michigan State recruit at one point, finishes with a game-high 26 points and 11 rebounds on 8 of 16 shooting. And Trey Jones wins the point guard battle against Winston with 20 points and 12 assists. Before I get into the game, uh, this was not only a very big night because of the matchup, but also because Draymond Green, uh, Spartan legend, now with the Golden State Warriors, had his jersey retired at halftime. Um, and first off, 
what a big scene that was, I, I thought, to have Draymond there. You were able to have Jaron Jackson, Steve Kerr came out, even Clay Thompson and uh, D'Angelo Russell from the Warriors all came to watch him have his jersey retired, and he, he gave a very nice speech. And uh, to me, it was just, it was a really great moment and one that, you know, for what happened in the game, didn't turn out probably the way, you know, a, it didn't play out how a Draymond team and what Draymond brought to Michigan State, um, it didn't play out like that. But as a guy who kind of helped lay the groundwork um, for what being a Michigan State Spartan means and defining this program, as Izzo would go on to say later on, um, it, it was a pretty big moment. It was pretty cool to see that. Yeah, of course. Uh, the place was going to be packed anyways with Duke, but uh, it was what a, what a great way to really get the energy up, even you know times a hundred. The retired Draymond Green's number, who for our generation is probably the greatest Spartan, uh, you know, that we've watched. Granted, Mateen Cleaves, you know, when we were really young, but yeah. uh, so th- so there are a lot of Dray- Draymond diehards there. Uh, so that was really cool. He was obviously very emotional and meant a lot to him. So it's just a cool thing to see, especially given what he's gone on to do in the NBA, and he's probably going to have his jersey retired for the Warriors. He will. So it was just it's it's the first of many accolades for Draymond Green. Right, you hit it all there. I mean, he was so gracious, and when he talked to the media, he was very emotional, just like he was on the court when they were actually um, raising his banner to the ra- or the banner of him into the rafters. But um, yeah, no, I you could just see how many people there were in support of him. It was very cool that his teammates came all the way out to Michigan State to watch him and not watch him, but support him um, while he was getting his jersey retired and. Yeah, it was just a very cool moment to be a part of. It was it, it was interesting seeing him get emotional because guys like that, it's kind of like, wow, he's actually like getting a little choked <laughs> up. Like, you know, they just look yeah. so tough. But then when something like that happens, they get pretty emotional. So it kind of hits you harder, you know. I don't yeah. know. That's how I felt. <laughs> I know. You hit you hit it, and I think that's true. And uh, like you said, it was a great moment to see him get his jersey retired up there and a big, big thing for the Michigan State Spartan program um, and the basketball program and all. But kind of what Draymond symbolized through his four years here at Michigan State was toughness and grit. Um, and Coach Izzo, post the Duke trouncing, had some things to say about his team's toughness and kind of where they're at following the absolute trouncing. Once again, 87-75. We got a bit of audio from the press conference at, when Izzo first came in and said some things about the Duke game. Here it is. Yeah, and I think Izzo summed it up right there. I mean, out-coached, out-toughed, and I think that was clear from the outset of this game, who came in with the competitive fire, who came in with the grit, and who was ready to go. And to me, I think if if you look at this game and you take one thing from it, it's the fact that Michigan State got absolutely punked on their home floor by Duke. And I, I don't think there's any if, ands, or, or buts about it. No, absolutely not. Um, for me, going into the game, the three biggest matchups to look at were Xavier Tillman versus Vernon Carey, Cassius Winston versus Trey Jones, and then Coach Izzo versus Coach Krzyzewski. And Duke won, bam, 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 all three facets. Uh, obviously, X didn't have a bad game, but Vernon Carey was just everywhere. And, you know, Tillman obviously was responsible for guarding him for much of the game, not the entire game. Obviously, Coach Izzo tried some things with Bingham and tried some things with uh, Thomas Kithier in there on him. But, um, all in all, it just what they no no one on Michigan State was able to stop um, Vernon Carey, and maybe that's an adjustment thing. That that's an area where Coach Shevsky outcoached Tom Izzo, and we're going to get into that later because I know we got some questions about it. But and, and Cassius Winston just didn't quite 
look and, and Natalie, you hit on it earlier. It's he can't you can't just rely on Cassius Winston to bail you out in every situation. And you look at last season, that's something that the Spartans fell victim to far too often, playing forty minutes against Texas Tech, forty minutes against Michigan in the Big Ten championship in the tournament. That kind of stuff is just I mean, it, it works sometimes, but it's unacceptable. It's kind of the LeBron effect in Cleveland, carrying those teams to the finals with no help. You you got at some point you have to have People step up, and and you can't be mad at Cassius for turning in a game like that and on the home floor and getting beat by 20. You can't you can't just blame it on Cassius Winston. So Duke definitely won in all three of those facets. I think those are the three biggest reasons for the loss. Right. You can't let him burn out. I mean, Cassius is our main guy. You can't be playing him 40 minutes and expect him to just have these great numbers every single game. There has to be other people that step up, and that's why I mentioned earlier Aaron Henry. I mean, he had his quietest game of the year. He had two points. Um, he didn't even make his first shot attempt until 11 minutes left in the second half. I mean, I think the shot he made was with 40 seconds left. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't know. I just that's I feel like that's kind of unacceptable, and he's in this role this year where he has to become a key player alongside Cassius now that um, Josh Langford isn't able to play and um, well Rocket Watts I don't think that'll be a long term thing but he's one of those players that has to step up and start executing and um, he Coach Izzo or no I'm, excuse me Cassius had said after the Duke game um, that he is in a position now where consistency is key you can't be up and down because you're one of our reliable pieces you have to figure out a way to bring it each and every night which is tough to do but that's the position they're in that's what he was saying about Aaron Henry. And it he just he says it all right there. I mean, he has to step up. I feel like he's been kind of quiet and I think he's just one of these games he's going to step up, but I just I hope it's sooner rather than later. Yeah, and Izzo, you know, he called that group of Winston, Tillman and Henry the big 3. And if you got a guy out of your big 3 not getting the job done, it's hard to win basketball games. And you say it, Winston, you can't rely on Winston. And it's clear that for one thing, each and every team they're going to play from here on out knows and has a way of keying in on Winston. You know the ball screen's coming. And so like Duke, they hedge a lot on those screens, brought carry up a lot. And it's hard for Winston to see over a big man. That's the whole point of a hedge is to eliminate the vision uh, of the point guard. And that's what they did. And I think that's going to be a facet of every team's defensive game plan, night in and night out for Michigan State. And you got to find a way out of that. And the only way out of that is to have another guy who can put the ball on the floor and who can score the basketball. And, you know, some people were thinking maybe Rocket Watts is going to be that guy. It's very clear that Watts is still developing. He still hasn't caught up with the speed of the game. And Aaron Henry, now he's got to be that guy. And, you know, I I don't know necessarily if it's asking too much. He still is a sophomore, and he did really kind of come on late last season. But kind of for what it is, you look at his basketball team up and down, and you say the guy has to be Aaron Henry. And he's got to be the guy to step up. And I think that's what Izzo is asking for as uh, Sunday comes around. But, Trent, your other point, Vernon Carey just got his. He he took everybody's lunch money and bought everything on him. It was a block party and everybody was invited. He was sending <laughs> stuff out. I, there's just – he his – ability to score inside just destroyed the Spartans team and for me that brings up two big questions for where Michigan State goes from here and one as you said Tillman wasn't always the primary defender on um on carry as he did pick up a couple fouls early on and then they moved a couple other guys on him Bingham got the chance to play him a bit as shown by Bingham's 12 minutes of play he just he couldn't hold him and I that's one of the things you get with Marcus Bingham he had 13 points and looked good offensively but for every offensive positive there was a, excuse me sir you're too small get off of me for running carry on the other end um and so for me it, be, it begs the question of who 
I feel like there has been no movement yet in that four spot and who plays there. Maybe Nally, even I actually I have you start. You have an answer for who plays in that four position for Michigan State. Well, I personally think, um, just looking at the whole roster, I think that Malik Hall has a lot of potential for some point this season. Um, I think everyone can remember his layup in the final seconds of the Seton Hall game that won it for the Spartans. So they won 76-73, if I remember right. Um, but I just, I don't know, I think he has the shooting ability, he's got the size, he can rebound, he can guard, he can kind of do it all. And I think, um, I mean, we're starting to see more potential from Rocket Watts as a freshman, but I think out of that freshman group, I think Billy Call at this point kind of has the most potential. I think he's stepped in before. What was the other game where he had that really cool dunk? I can't, I can't remember. You guys remember? Um, I know. I just remember everyone was like, "Oh, okay, I there's get, Malik Call." Yeah. Like, I just, I don't know. Yeah, I just think. Yeah, I know the play you're talking about. I don't know. I thought that was. I don't it know. wasn't Binghamton, was it? I might have been. It I might have been. Either, oh, either it way, been. yes, you were right. It he was early. Yeah, it was yeah, early. Yeah. yeah, but I don't know. For me, I just think Malik Call can kind of step into that spot eventually. What are your thoughts, Trent? Yeah. Um. I, I guess this is a tough way to go because I really don't think it should be. Anyone that he's thrown that Izzo's tried yet, I think the Spartans should go small. You talked about it earlier. Throw Arons out there, throw Brown out there, throw Henry, and you know obviously Watts isn't healthy. But then you can run and gun. The only way to get yourself out of the slump is to shoot yourself out of it. And I know that's not a popular thing to do. Coaches don't like doing that because it's not an efficient way to go. But I do think that with this point guard and with this big man, you've got those two cornerstones there. And like you said, the third wheel of the big three is uh, Aaron Henry, and he's got to be better. And I think he would benefit having Gabe Brown on the floor at the same time because he's going to draw attention in double teams on, on shooting and closeouts and whatnot and having the benefit of a Kyle Ahrens who's almost maybe a better shooter than Gabe Brown. So I think that's something that I would look at if your time is, oh, the problem is you do have three very formidable fours on your bench. It's Thomas Kithier, Marcus Bingham. And and Malik Hall, we already we already talked about him, and it's just they they can obviously bring a lot of toughness on the defensive end, but um, Bingham just concerns me from the standpoint of if you play a big if you play a big man like Vernon Carey, all he's got to do is back you down, get you right under the basket, and it's gonna be two points, maybe three if you follow him. So that's something that's concerning, but Bingham kind of makes up for it on the offensive end. I'd just be interested to see how Izzo works some of those rotations. And you're right, um, and I. I... I do like the small ball as well. I, I it's not my preferred, just because I think defensively at least I think you're gonna have a problem. I don't know necessarily if Brown is there defensively yet to start at that position. I do really like Malik Hall as well, the, and I think you know it's one of the questions, and not one of the que- I shouldn't say a question, but one of the things that I, I think has led to why Michigan State is where it at is it at, is at this season. Um, and part of that is that there are a lot of players that they kind of have to wait and see where they develop and kind of hope that their development is on track. Like you look at Aaron Henry and you hope that from a season ago he's developing right and will be that secondary star player. Or you hope Malik Hall will develop and become Kenny Goins. And for me, I look at Hall and I see a a body and a guy who can be that Kenny Goins type player. And I think if you have that Kenny Goins type player back again, that at least fills one of the holes that Michigan State has, that pick-and-pop offense, the ability to not only have a role man, but a three-point shooter at the four slot. And I think that helps space the floor, that brings some shooting. Um, And so I like Hall, but the question is, are these guys going to develop in time? And it's early, it's eight games in, it's December, um, so there's still – a lot that can happen with the rest of this season, and the question is going to be whether those guys can develop and, and be something something else. 
here. And uh, one thing, and I, we'll get into it for our Twitter questions. Actually, I'll move. We'll go for our Twitter questions now because we're hitting on a lot of the stuff in there. Um, but again, that final score from Duke, eighty-seven seventy-five. Duke with a a win, a revenge win over Michigan State in East Lansing. So we'll go to our Twitter questions now. Fans sent them in with the hashtag Impact Izone. A lot of these hit on a lot of the points we're going to make about the Duke game and uh, so on and so forth. But we'll start with a, a fun one from Brendan Wilner. He sends it in again. If you could pick one current NCAA basketball coach to be stranded on an island with, who would it be and why? I'll go first. It's going to easily be GQJ, Jay Wright of Villanova. It's me and him just sipping coconut water. From the trees that we cut down, we're just sitting there chilling. Me and GQ, GQ, GQJ. Uh, so he's going to be my guy. I think we're going to be stranded on an island with. Um, This is such a tough question because it's just kind of funny, and you don't want to, like, forget anybody. But, uh, I mean, obviously, I think all of us would, like, pick Izzo if we could. I'm, I'm going to stray away from that. I'm going to say Keno Davis from Central Michigan. And the Ooh. only reason I say that is because my brother's a manager on the Chippewas uh basketball team they got a big bowl game tomorrow i'm going <laughs> fire up a little shameless plug i'm, I'm gonna say keno davis from central oh that's cool that your brother's uh wait you said he's a like a manager yeah the basketball football yeah Very men's cool. hoops men's hoops oh, sweet. Cool. okay well i am gonna be more original here but i would pick tom Izzo. i i like him so much i just think he is the coolest guy and i think I don't know. He's so serious, but I just think if I was able to sit down with him and just like pick his brain and talk to him, he's just like a cool dad. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it'd be so cool to just learn more about him and like go deeper. I feel like someone like Mark D'Antonio would be like way harder to get to know, but Izzo's funny. And I just, I don't know. I don't know. That's my thought. That's that's not bad. I, another, like, another, I, like, I like Izzo. I really like him as a person. Like I, I just, yeah. I would love to just sit down and talk with him. Another candidate for me would be if I could get over the whole, you know, my, my where my allegiance lies in my heart. You know, set of, set apart from the podcast here. Um, if I could get over that, I'd love to take Jawan Howard just because was, he'd have a, he'd have a lot of good NBA yeah. yes. stories. He coached my favorite player, my favorite athlete ever, LeBron James. So <laughs> it'd be fun to talk about that with him. And yeah, it would just be interesting. That'd be a cool one. That'd be a cool one. I I do. Jawan's a good one too. Yeah, I like yeah. that one. And going kind of off that, I do Penny Hardaway. Oh, dude, Penny that, would be that cool. That might be number one. That would be cool. Forgot about Penny. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a really yeah, cool that would one. Be, that'd be I like awesome. that. And I, I have wanna... to mention Jawan's oh, yes. dancing real quick though. Like those shoulders, bring, dude. He's got it. Handcrafted that, by God. Okay, you know what? Jawan <laughs> Howard would be my other choice. Okay, for yeah, sure. I, I think we can I, all agree. When I saw Jawan that Howard video, I was like, okay, this guy is so sick. Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> he's, he's got just, the moves. He's a likable dude. I don't know. He can teach me the moves. Mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> I like that you and Jawan just working on the shoulders on an island. <laughs> Love it. Just on an island. <laughs> just, yeah, somebody comes by on a boat. They're like, "What are those two? Just Who keep are going. Those we're two? just not. We're not going to stop." No. Uh, great. I like that one. Well, we're always <laughs> with some fun questions. Uh, but getting to some more serious basketball things. Tino Abarca. He's been texting me coming up uh, about this question. He's got he's got his own thoughts about it, and he asks how much, and he, he wants a percentage of this loss. Speaking of the Duke loss, is on Izzo. Seems like there was zero game planning and zero in-game adjustments. And he kind of asked this, um, who not asked us to us, but more of to Izzo, who is Cassius' backup? Where's the lo- where's the lockdown big man? I think this loss and rocky start falls solely on Tom. 
And Trent, I'll, I'll start with you with this question. Yeah, Tino's a great guy, very strong-minded guy. He's got strong opinions. I, I, um, I would say 50 time and 50 team because I, I think at some point, and, and this is just kind of a weird thing, we don't really know. You know, this is all it's all speculation. That's what's fun about this. We don't know what the game plan was. We don't know what the sets were. We don't know any of that stuff. But just watching what was put on the court, no one could stop Vernon Carey. No adjustments seemed to be made. Um, it seemed to me that Xavier Tillman would be the most formidable opponent for him, given that he is the biggest of what you got. Obviously, Bingham's got a few inches on Tillman, but um, he's given up a, a few pounds as well. So, I, I at some point, it's like the the lineup time as throws out there has to perform. You know, and and I already said I'm not going to get on Cassius because you can't you can't just get on Cassius just because he didn't drop 28 for once this season. You know what I mean? So, um, but Cassius probably does have to play better in that situation. Definitely against a team like Duke and a point guard on the other side like Trey Jones, and um, no one could make a shot. No one could buy a bucket. You know, I remember Julian. We were on the call, and I believe from the. I don't even remember. Rocket Watts made a three kind of early, and then it took all the way until Cassius Winston's pull-up three to bring him to within eight in the second half. I think I don't think there was any three-point makes in between there. Uh, So, so my bottom line is just the Spartans have to perform. But given the fact that we don't really know what the plan was, um, the plan that that we that we thought we got looked lousy. So I would give Thomas a fifty percent. I give it a fifty-fifty split. Right, and Tom's been blaming himself a lot lately for their losses. I mean, I think it wasn't just the Duke game. I think he, he's been saying a few different times, like, this was on me. Like, don't blame my players. This was all on me. And you kind of wonder, like, what that means because I feel like he has control of, like, everything he said. Like, I just wonder kind of what he's doing where he feels like it's his fault, kind of. Like, maybe not – like, maybe the game happens and he feels like, oh, like, I should have done this better, that better. But, I don't know, you just never hear him really complain about him himself and, like, blaming him for the loss, but he's been doing that a lot, I feel like, lately. So, I don't know. I just – yeah, players have to step up. I I guess Tom has to work on adjusting his game plan. What We don't know what that is, but I think maybe they need to do a better job at film study. You know, I don't – we don't know the answer. Um, it's kind of a mystery. But I just, yeah, every player, if they can help it, needs to step up. Someone like Aaron Henry, like I've been harping on. And Cassius, like you said, Trent, he can't be dropping like 30 points every single game. So we can't be disappointed if he only drops 12 or whatever it was against Duke. Like, you know, so, I mean, he didn't do a bad job, but other players also need to step up and fill their roles. So. Yeah, and I I think both of you are right, and I think that's why I kind of end with, you know, Tino saying give a percentage, and I'm thinking maybe 65 um, for me. And I think Yeah, that sounds right. Part of that is, of course, you know, Izzo wants to take all of this on himself, and it's very understandable, and I think I I, I get why, because for one, I think you look specifically at Duke and you say, okay, the game plan failed. And he even talked about that at the press conference, that the game plan on Kerry was to dig and that the digs just failed. And it didn't happen, and it didn't work, and it fell apart. And part of that, one, is his game plan and what he came up with. And I also think offensively, the continued use of a ball screen when you know Carey is going to hedge on it, and you know that it's not working. Again, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. And and so for me, I think offensively and defensively, the game plan was flawed, and there were some miscues, and there were some issues. But I don't necessarily think all of it, goes on him I think part of it like Trent said is execution and I give Duke a lot of credit I think you look at this Duke game and a lot of people are going to say state failed state was bad and they were 
There's no like there's no other way to say it. They were bad, but Duke was also very good. Duke has struggled early to start this season. They have not looked like the team that some people thought they were coming into the season, but in that game, that was exactly what Duke was supposed to look like uh, when they started playing up against Kansas in the Champions Classic. And you have to give them credit where credit is due. Vernon Carey looked fantastic. Jones did what he was supposed to do. They had guys who hit shots. I mean, Joey Baker comes off the bench and then goes, what, five for five or five for six at least? I don't know if he missed one shot. I don't shot. think he missed a shot, yeah. And, I mean, that's all things where they played a really great basketball game. And so I give them their credit, and I give it to the players on Michigan State who just didn't execute. Um, I do think when, when Izzo sits there and he says, this is all on me, I think part of it, and just from what it sounds like, and at least this is all my perception and what I what I hear and what I'm listening to when we're there at press conferences and, and games and such, but it just seems like with everything that has happened with this team, I feel like Izzo has been working on how to coach this team. And I don't know, you know, the whole thing of Izzo's a guy who he rips you to shreds and he comes at your throat. I don't know necessarily if that's what he's doing right now because of where the team is at physically and mentally. Because I think he's trying to figure out with everything that's happened to us, how do I coach this program? And do I keep being this tear you down, insult you, beat you up to bring you up type of coach, or do I go the other way? And I think that is kind of where he's at and with this team that's still so young and so fresh. A lot of people didn't think they were going to be young and fresh, but a lot of these guys, they have one year under their belt, but they're still sophomores. Aaron Henry's still just a guy who's been here for his second year now. He's only been here for a year, and he really only came on last season. Um, and his has got to figure out how to operate with that niche. And so I give him 65. In terms of whose cash is his backup, um, I, th- I think you one, you come in with the season saying you're going to have Joshua Langford, and then you say, okay, Watts will be the backup. Or at least, like, to me, I think Aaron Henry looks good as a as a primary ball hander for spurts that Winston is out. And so I think, to me, that's what you kind of expected, but then Langford goes down, and you kind of have to patch some things together. A lockdown big man. I don't necessarily because I don't think Ward was locked down, so I don't know if Michigan State has been the quote unquote lockdown big man since uh, what would you say maybe Adrian Payne? Probably, probably Adrian Payne. Brandon Dawson was pretty good too. Brandon Dawson, yeah, yeah. I had to think like who came first, but yeah, Adrian Payne and Brandon Dawson and Nick Ward. I will say he was good, but like you said, Trent, it comes down to the body size and Ward had the weight, and I will say Ward also had the ability. He was a solid, solid defender. He did his job. Yeah, um, and. Again, that does is coaching and also players. Because Tillman's got to come in with the toughness and the ability to defend down low. And Izzo has also got to coach that up. And so, yeah, to me, 65%. A long-winded answer, but 65% um, for me on how much of this is on Izzo. So I don't know if that's the answer Tino wanted. I think he wanted more of 100% everything. <laughs> uh, but 65 and I think we all kind of have a very similar uh, percentage for Izzo. Our next question. Zach, my man Zach Swise. Ask, Vernon Carey may be a talent outlier, but how does MSU handle similarly, similar, uh, similarly, there, there we you go. go, I can speak, sized and skilled bigs in the Big Ten? Natalie, I'll start with you. Well, um, lots of turnovers in the past few games. Definitely got to fix that. Um, I think people need to take more shots and we need to be better in transition. I think those are three big things we need to do. But as far as handling... Um, big guys we're going to be going against in the Big Ten. I think Xavier Tillman needs to improve. He needs to be better going up and blocking shots. I think um, just players have to work on just perfecting the small things. I think, I don't know, yeah, Vernon Carey, I guess, is an exception. He's very, very talented. But I just think going into 
the Big Ten matchups, I think we just need to, I don't know, just get better just defensively. I think that was a huge thing against Duke. And I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts? Um, I'll keep it simple. It's got to be Tillman. Tillman's got to step up. He'll, he could, I think he can be your lockdown big man. He's very athletic, very strong. Uh, he's big. He's just got to use that. He's got to put it all together. He's got to use it, and I think he will. We're going to see it really take form in this uh, this uh, Big Ten play. He talked a lot about um, what's Miles Johnson on Rutgers uh, today when we spoke with him. He just he knows that he wants to cement himself as one of the best big men, if not the best big man in the Big Ten, and he has to really take control of that, and I think he will. Yeah, and I think you're right. It comes down to Tillman and Tillman just being better. For one, I also think the game planning on these big men – Carey is a talent outlier, but the game plan has been set. You get two quick fouls on Tillman, you take him out of the ball game. Spartans don't have that much to work with yeah, down low. out of luck. And so that's going to be the game plan. And so the idea is how you're going to be able to combat that. I think, for one, Tillman's got to be better. He's going to have to play smarter. He's going to have to keep his wits about him and play with a high IQ and not pick up some of those fouls. Uh, and the other thing is you're going to have you got to have four guys uh, at that power forward spot who will be competent enough to take a switch, to be the guys that are going to be on the bigger men so Tillman can have breaks and have moments where if he does pick up one foul, he can switch off and play somebody else. So you can try and disperse that a little bit. I think another part of it is, again, with the digs they tried to do against Duke. And for people uh, not necessarily knowledgeable about basketball, dig, you have another player come over, kind of play help defense, but also stay with their man um, on a guy who gets it in the post. So for, say, Henry's over right in the right corner, the guy gets it on the post up on the right block, Henry would feign a little bit, come over, show some help. It's essentially a double team, man. not 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 a full double team. It's kind of like a double check, like you're just kind of exactly. Yeah, you're just like, yeah, I'm over here. Yep, I'll, we might double team. I'm here. Might bother you a little might bit. Might bother you. Yeah. Um, didn't and happen so, against Vernon Carey though. Did not happen against Vernon Carey. I don't, not, I don't think he would have. I don't think it happened cared. once. Yeah, no, he wouldn't. Have. Um, but I think that's another way. Just got to be tighter game planning in a. Uh, Izzo's going to have to pull it out of his bag. He's going to have to figure out a way to do this and to combat uh, some of these big guys that they're going to have to play in the Big Ten. Is That conference is looking good. Yep. Uh, and I didn't get to comment on it, but the Big Ten ACC Challenge, Big Ten won an 8-6 to six, uh, with the last win, Ohio State over North Carolina in Chapel Hill. Uh, but the Big Ten looks good. A lot of skill bi- skilled bigs per usual. Um, so it's going to be interesting down the line, especially now starting with Rutgers on Sunday uh, where the Spartans roll from there. So I asked another question. He goes, three losses, three different ways. Any specific concerns that stick out entering conference play? For me, quick and easy, it's shooting. Three-point shooting, two-point shooting. The Spartans have just not been clicking offensively. And especially if they're not able to knock down three-point shots, it's going to be a long, long season for them. Uh, I think it'll turn around. I think for right now it's just them figuring each other out and figuring out the offense and you know, you lose Matt McQuaid and you lose Kenny Goins, two guys who are two top three-point shooters. You kind of got to figure it out from there. But to me, that three-point shooting is, is is an issue. Yeah, Julian, I co-signed completely. It's all about – It's this is 2019-2020 basketball. It's all about run and gun. You got to get out. You got to shoot. You got to make your shots. You got to put it in the basket. You got to get back on transition because they're going to run too. And you got to get a stop. And guess what? Then that starts your next break. And you got Cassius Winston running point guard. And especially given that, you have to use that talent. Right, and less turnover. Bleh, sorry, <laughs> turnovers as well. <laughs> yeah, I stuck um, on similarly. I no. know. I don't know what's going on today. It's a Friday. Uh, it is. It's almost six. It's getting late. I'm tired. But um, <laughs> no, yeah, less turnovers. I think more three point shots, and people just need to, yeah, take more shots, for sure. I think, yeah. 
to put it simply. Yeah, a little too hesitant, I would agree. Some people are a little too passive, including in the post. You know, we yeah. saw Malik Hall just kind of double clutching a little too much. Just go up. Just go up. Be confident. Get fouled. Go to the line. Make your free throws. That kind of thing. Boom. That's it. So I hope that answers your question. Aiden Hunt. Man, Aiden asked the next question. What role does – also for Aiden, check out Sport, uh, Spartan Red Zone, SRZ, football podcast. Uh, it's kind of – trailing off as the season goes along they're gonna make a bowl game but uh, i think a new episode came out this week so make sure you check out uh spartan red zone another impact podcast aiden is on there uh he asked what role does gabe brown need to fill for the rest of the season is he michigan state's second best shooter after winston this is a good question i like this question and i think uh, trent you have a, a starting lineup potentially for gabe brown i think he's at least if you know you go small ball he can fit that role he has to be that role or he's got to be your shooter off the bench. And I think Aiden is exactly right. I think unless Malik Hall comes on and starts shooting it well or Rocket Watts comes back and finds his jump shot, or Aaron Henry, I mean, even though he's shooting a great percentage right now, if he continues to do that, um, if he doesn't, I think Brown is your second-best shooter. Yeah, Gabe Brown, I, and this is a very, very peculiar uh, comparison I have here, but less so Draymond Green at Michigan State. Draymond Green for the Warriors, I think, mm, is something okay. that Gabe Brown can like sort of it. emulate, not so much on the defensive end, but on offense. You know, he's running off ball screens, he's setting them, he can post up a little bit, he can shoot the three. So that, to me, is something that you're going to have to look at and, and think about, you know, how much, do, how much do we utilize Gabe Brown? And to answer the question about shooting, I would say at this point, yeah, given what we've seen so far this season, I think he is your second-best shooter right now with Langford out and behind Winston. Right, and I think he's aggressive, and I think he can fill that role. Um, if Aaron Henry is not going to step up and some of these other guys, I think Gabe Brown does need to fill those shoes because someone's got to step up. We don't know who it's going to be, but Cash can't do it alone, and that's kind of what we've seen so far. Um, but, yeah, no, I think I think definitely Gabe Brown, um, very talented. We've seen a lot of great dunks from him this year. He's an exciting player to watch, and I think um, – yeah, I think he is the second best behind Winston. Yeah, You both hit it. Uh, Brown has got to play better, and that's going to be a key piece as Michigan State rolls forward. Uh, we'll move on to the next question. One more after this one. Alex McCray asks, are the chemistry issues on offense? Another man from Impact, another guy on Spartan Red Zone. Killing it. New direct as assistant director. Yes, promotion. My man, Alex McCray. So shout out to him. Big shout out to him. Uh, he asks, are the chemistry issues on offense something that can be fixed before the meat of the Big Ten regular season schedule starts? Um, for me, I say yes. Um, I think Izzo, Izzo said it as well, but it's something we've seen season to season now. Spartans are not great. In the first half, and I think he's, he even said that I didn't even go back necessarily and check and think about, but the Spartans were, what, 6-2 and he said six and two last season at this point, and now they're 5-3. and three. And so it's not like a huge downturn or anything, and they are a better second-half team than a first half. And so I think heading into the meet of Big Ten season, Big Ten regular season, they will figure this all out. Absolutely, I agree. There's a couple reasons why. Is there cause for concern? Of course, you know, the Spartans haven't been great this season, but you know what? Tom Izzo schedules it that way. He wants that. He wants all the smoke from everybody. That's how he gets his all team ready. <laughs> so that to me, and, and it's a Tom Izzo coach team, and I don't mean to be that guy that just deals in absolutes, but it kind of ends there for me. Until Tom Izzo proves to me that he he's doesn't have good, a good grip on his team or his team isn't together, there's no chemistry there, then, then maybe I'll consider it. But Tom Izzo has never, ever, ever shown that he can't pull a team together. So I'm going to say uh, th there's there's cause for concern, but absolutely this chemistry can get fixed and flipped around before you play the likes of Michigan and Ohio State and Maryland. 
Right. And he said today that they're they're getting close to defining that solid lineup. I mean, I think people have been surprised at some of the lineups that he's thrown out on the floor. I know um, Bingham started, I forget what game, and then they put Lawyer in against Duke or I don't know. I'm getting them all mixed up. But uh, yeah, I just I think they can definitely get fixed. I mean, Hopefully Rutgers on Sunday, we can start to see that. I think it's hard when you have a freshman thrown into the mix in Rocket Watts. I mean, people have been kind of disappointed at how he's done so far, but he's also so young and he's still getting used to everything and um, he just needs to take more shots. So I think you just have a couple different things going on, but I think once Coach figures out those set people and he can start to see someone – step in as that second best shooter behind Winston, I think we'll start seeing the offense come together a little better. Cause I don't think it's, it's not that they don't get along. They're all so close. Like they, they said it today at practice. Like they're all like family. They say it at almost every press conference. I mean, it's not like they have like bad chemistry as players, but I think just once you figure out where everyone's abilities can go and just, yeah, the solid five, I just think we'll be able to see it. I don't know. And it's only December. I think, I mean, they have, this next month or two to kind of figure everything out, hopefully sooner than later. Still a lot to figure out for the Spartans. Our last question, uh, before we get out of our Twitter questions segment, another fun one, in, start with the fun one, end with the fun one. It comes from Kyle Turk, former impactor. He asks, asks the question, what was the food spread like for Tuesday night? With Duke in town, it had to be the chicken Alfredo. It was not the chicken Alfredo, Kyle. It was it was what spiral mac and cheese. Yes, pulled which was pork. incredible. Is it brisket? Was there another? Or was it all just pulled? Yeah, pork? it was no, pulled it was pork brisket. and brisket. And brisket. Yep. Does it? And those, get much better those than nice that. like kettle chips that are really thick. You and can't good. forget the cookies though. Oh, they have that at every cookies. game, but that is my favorite part, regardless of the meal. I swear. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't I understand how those cookies. are. I don't understand how they're so good, but they are. Like, oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't understand how they are because they have to be cheap, right? It's like it's, they make yeah. that many of them at every game. It's like it's just a you know a break right. and bake thing from probably Gordon Food Service, but like it's good. It's yeah. so good. It's, it's solid. So good. I no. think me and Justin Rose had a moment where he was walking to pick up a cookie, and he goes, "Best cookies in the Big Ten. and we just locked eyes, and I was like, "Yes, <laughs> absolutely." That is absolutely. a statement of yes. fact that is put it in the Bible of food. I, it's just <laughs> it's just the, Bible, the Big Ten Bible of food. The Big Ten Bible of food yep. that Michigan State has the best cookies in right. the Big Ten. That mac and cheese too was phenomenal. Yeah. I had a mountain of And that. I'm a huge barbecue person. I love pulled pork, brisket. I love all that. So I was a fan, but it was I don't know. What were your guys' thoughts on the pulled pork and brisket? They went hard. Oh, Michigan State yeah. went hard. Pulled pork's Dra- always good. Yeah, oh yeah. It is. I think I they it. went They went hard because it's a Duke game. It's a big game, but I, I think they did it for Draymond. I don't even think Draymond ate in there, did he? Didn't he have his own like? He probably had the same food in a different place. That's okay. my guess. Like maybe Potentially. they Unless because, he, you know, he went to some maybe. restaurant beforehand. Yeah. Who knows? Right. I don't probably. know what, yeah. what did he get on his private jet on the same way thing. here? Because who like, knows? The ESPN point. guys weren't up with us either, so who knows? Right. Who knows? Yeah. Mysterious, don't want to know. It's just <laughs> mysterious just things. But yeah, food spread at MSU. Michigan State basketball, they get it done. It's rock solid. I like to keep this. I think we might we might keep this, so stay tuned as Big 10 regular season kicks off. We'll come back with uh the Big 10 food. Who has the best food? Let's in the do Big that Ten for, for sure. Basketball. This has We're to be do a that. thing. Every week we gotta talk about you know because one of us will be at every game at least, so we'll be able to discuss the food. Yeah, we'll be able to discuss the food. So perfect. I like that. A great question. Yeah, and yeah, perfect, awesome. 
Twitter questions done for Season 7, Episode 3. We move in now to the Rutgers preview. Again, that game Sunday, December 8th, this Sunday, uh, at home for Michigan State at the Breslin Center. 7 p.m. tip on Big Ten Network. It's the first Big Ten matchup of the season. Uh, Again, meeting Rutgers. Last year they met Rutgers for the first game of the Big Ten season. Uh, Spartans went 2-0 last season against the Scarlet Knights, winning a past matchup 71-60 on February 20th at the Breslin uh, last season, Rutgers was 14-17 and 17 and 7-13 and in the Big Ten. Not the best, but this is a Rutgers team that is getting better, what seems to be, each and every season. Head coach Steve Peichel is doing a great job uh, building, up the Ruck- building up that Rutgers team. They returned eight starters from last season. And then at Texas transfer Jacob Young and freshman Paul McGahey. They do lose Eugene Omarui as he transfers to Oregon. Uh, but again, bringing back eight starters from last season's team is very, very big for the Scarlet Knights. Um, and leading them is Ron Harper Jr. and Geo Baker, two guards that average about 13 points a game. Baker a little bit better of a passer with four assists a game. And then forward Miles Johnson, as Trent talked about earlier, who's a pretty big beast on the glass um, and could be an issue for Michigan State as evidenced by Vernon Carey and his ability to decimate the Spartans from the inside. Quick preview for this matchup. Uh, this is another one where I think Michigan State every season finds a way to struggle against Rutgers. And, again, this isn't your your dad's Rutgers team. This is a team that seems to be getting better every season. I think Geo Baker is really good. He can fill it up. Um, and especially with Rocket Watts out, it's going to be interesting with this smaller lineup, how they go about defending this Rutgers team and what that will look like and what a rotation will look like for Michigan State. Still predict a Michigan State win, but things could get interesting in the Brunson Center as Rutgers is, is no joke. Um, I'm going to say a Michigan State win as well for the sole reason of I think Xavier Tillman's taking it as a personal vendetta, personal uh, goal of his to shut down Miles Johnson in this one. I'm going to say he does that and far outplays him. And I think, you know, Julian, obviously it's a cause for concern with Rocket Watts out, like you said, but um, I, I just think Michigan State overall is going to outmatch Rutgers. Right. I, th- I agree with you guys. Of course, I'm not going to go against Michigan State. I think this will be – um, a good way for them to kind of get their thoughts together the next few days and come out Sunday night and hopefully get the win. Um, I was reading that when Rutgers played Pitt on Tuesday, Miles Johnson had 14 points in a career-best 14 rebounds, Ron Harper with 14 points in a career-best 10 rebounds, so each had double-doubles, and that was the first time that Rutgers had two players with a double-double in the same game since 2015. So you do have these good players on this Rutgers team. I think they made that um, aware to us today. You know, Izzo had great things to say about their head coach and their players. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I was sitting there with you when you were talking to Cat. Sorry, not Cassius, Xavier. And I think, yeah, he will use this game as kind of like his comeback game. And I think this would be a chance for players to step up once again, like we've been harping on during this podcast. They're just, I don't know, we're just waiting for that game where someone can step up. And I think Rutgers is a really good chance to do that because it's not someone like Duke, which is like this huge matchup or Seton Hall or whatever it may be. I mean, people usually don't take Rutgers very lightly, but I think they should they should try to take this game and just really work on um I don't know, just finding that second shooter and everything. I think you're right. This is a game that can be the the turn the corner game for a guy like Aaron Henry who has gotta figure it out and look less look less hesitant and be the guy. This is a time you're playing Rutgers at home, still got the home crowd behind you. You show that. You're Xavier Tillman. This is a time where, like you said, Miles Johnson wants to show that he's a better big man, that he's a guy who can get it done. You go at his throat and you tell him, actually, I'm still here. Um, so this to me is a game. As you said, Natalie, 
they can turn the corner for Michigan State. Uh, but a big one on Sunday, again, Rutgers, not even not saying this to hype Rutgers up, but this is a good team. And I think even Tom Izzo said it as well. This is a good team and a good, well-coached team. Uh, so Michigan State got to start putting things together as Big Ten play will kick off against Rutgers again. That game on Sunday, December 8th, 7 p.m. on Big Ten Network. And Natalie Trent, you both will be there along with Charlotte, um, a new impact rookie recruit. She's going to join you guys for the Sunday game against Rutgers. So be sure to follow both of you for all the content. Can I get your Twitter so we make sure everybody goes out and follows? Yeah, uh, tbal ninety. One T B A L nine one no spaces no caps. <laughs> that was, <laughs> that was wow, smooth. I've actually, I've actually never done that before. You you know just throw it out there. Well, no just one's gonna mess it, it up now. You spelled yeah. it all out for him. Thank you. <laughs> Mine is Natalie Kerwin one because I'm number one. Ah, wow. There we go. Oh, that yeah. was smooth. Yours is Jul- Julian Mitchell twenty five because <laughs> yeah, you're twenty five, right? My birthday is uh, the twenty fifth. Twenty fifth. I don't know why I threw one in there. I'm I sure think it's J underscore Mitchell twenty fifth. I don't know. Mitchell. I don't know my own Twitter. I think it is. Yeah. I think yeah, Natalie Curran was taken when I made my Twitter, so I just added the one because it was easy. It was <laughs> number one. Heck yeah. Love it. But again, that game on Sunday against Rutgers, and we're trying to get another one recorded next week following the Rutgers game, um, and try to get that to get a preview of Oakland all the games that will happen over winter break um, so be sure to stay locked to the Impact Is On podcast keep, keep it subscribed on iTunes and Spotify I think we're on Spotify wherever you get your music mostly iTunes I think uh, but keep it tracked on the website keep track for content we got it all we'll be here for you all season long but again this is season 7 episode 3 wrapping it up here Impact Is On we'll see you all next time <laughs>